1: to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, our special movie review episode returns. This time, do you want to spend eight hours of your life watching Joe Exotic in The Tiger King? Paula and I, of course, review Rocky III to let you know whether The Tiger King is worth your time. Maybe Paula Poundstone's pussy pillows come in big cat size. Plus, Tony Nita Hall is donning her blue latex gloves and opening up the listener mailbag. We've got all kinds of catnip for you tonight. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to referee this show's topical boxing matches and somehow keep the discussion within the ring. And now, please welcome the woman who floats like a conversational butterfly but never stings like a bee, Paula Poundstone! hey Welcome, Paula. Well, thank you very much. Hey, you guys. Hey. Uh, I've missed you. We miss you. When I say we, I mean me, because I'm all alone here, too.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sitting in my chair on my treadmill, uh, which is exactly <laughs> what it was made for.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of people sheltering in place, let's be, give a big thank you to tonight's house band, devoted nobody, Max Butterfield, from Johnson, Rhode Island, playing that oboe.
0: Thank you, Matt. That was great. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, Matt. Yeah. Um
0: You know, Adam, I uh I heard sports writer Mike Lupica. Is that his name? Lupica. Lupica, yeah. Mike Lupica. I heard him interviewed on MSNBC and he was talking about the importance of Major League Baseball to the mental health of Americans. And wow. they're planning on maybe having televised games with no fans in the stands. And I started thinking if baseball is that important, why not just get it started now? You don't even have to have the actual players. You can do it like this Octavia Spencer moving off the bag on first and double timing it back as Drew Carey looks from the mound. There's the pitch, and Chuck Schumer pops it up. Rachel Ray makes the catch in the outfield, throws to second-base woman Lizzo. Octavia Spencer slides into second, (laughs) cleats blazing, and she is safe. You know, what is this? If it's affecting America's mental health, for heaven's sakes, just bring it back. Like... There's a swing and a miss to retire Clarence Thomas, and he did not like that call. He's arguing with the Empire. Two decades on the Supreme Court, the guy has barely said a word, but get him on the phone or in a baseball game, and he won't shut up. Emma Stone in the on deck circle. You know, Adam, I just never liked the way she looks. She always looks like she's about to cry. What did Tom Hanks say? There's no crying in baseball. Wasn't that what he said? Emma Stone on second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how'd she make it to second so quickly
0: i don't i got distracted i i got distracted <laughs> i looked over she was on second
1: oh well, that's you know that's that's my favorite kind of baseball announcing I, I used to love that when phil Rizzo would go like oh and a happy birthday to lottie henderson from queens <laughs> oh yeah oh and it looks like there was a home run while i was talking
0: you know it's a slow game, and it's easy to it's get distracted. Looks game. like the Connecticut Dinglebars are bringing in a pitcher to replace Brian Cranston. You know Adam, Paula Poundstone has reached out to him on Twitter multiple times trying to get him on this podcast. That's, yeah, that's right. right. He's, He's famously
1: won- known as a famous, uh, famously friendly actor, but uh, Paula Poundstone has been striking out to use a baseball term constantly with Brian Cranston. He just won't do it, just like he won't pitch another <laughs> ball in this
0: game. And in comes number nine Val Demings to pitch for the Connecticut Dingle Balls. Number nine Val Demings facing off against number twenty-seven Barbara
1: Streisand. Val Interesting Demings- statistic here. The Dan- is uh he's batting uh two thirty-seven with runners in scoring position on Thursdays, but on Fridays he's a completely different story, batting three twenty-two.
0: Oh, there's a lot of twists and turns in a game like this. A lot of twists and turns. Val Demings, by the way, did a fabulous job in the Trump impeachment hearings. And, of course, Barbara Streisand, who will always be Funny Girl to me. What a fabulous job she did in that movie so long ago. Uh, That's great.
1: I mean, she was great in Funny Girl. We all loved her in Funny Girl. But I got to tell you, Paula, she cannot hit the curve. No, you throw no, a curveball no, by Barbara Streisand and it it just whooshes <laughs> under that big nose of hers and she's on her way back to the dugout to take take a drink of water.
0: Yeah, but I, was, I swear, the scene in the private dining room with the divan, is that what it's called? Divan, the long chair? It's not a couch, but it's a long chair. Well, it's a divan, chair.
1: I think. I think you pronounce it divan. You know, uh, my a grandmother divan. had one of those. She had it under plastic for years. And Oh, somebody must have hit a home run because there's nobody on the bases anymore.
0: And I remember when she said, I guess, <laughs> uh, and guess who is gonna be dis- the sexual tension in that scene. Wow. I would put that scene, Adam, I will put that scene up against any scene in any movie. And they didn't even do anything, really. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, look at that. Barbara strays in barely made it home. You know, Adam. So that's what I've been doing with my time this last week is just, you know, announcing baseball to help america with its mental health problem um, you know paula
1: while we're um while we're uh, t- while we got distracted from baseball we forgot to go around the horn and say hi to uh our, our team here today
0: yes let's do that my mistake
1: that's all right um uh and and we're going to do this the way that we we started doing last week which is by introducing them by asking what's new in their lives this week because we're desperate for something new so um, it's almost a cruel question at this point is it not Well, if they start sobbing, we'll know not to ask it next week. Bonnie Burns, (laughs) producer, Paula's manager, uh, Bonnie Burns. Uh, Captain Crinkle, what's new this week?
2: You know, I don't have a lot new. I've been spending a lot of time working for Paula. So I was trying to think uh, what I had to say. And the problem I have is that... The other day on the phone meeting, we were talking about doing some language for Quarantine Corner. And the one <laughs> thing I've really remembered is what I learned in seventh grade in my Spanish class. I can't get it out of my head. So I thought I'd share that. Which is. But,
0: Bonnie, <laughs> but, but <laughs> can, <laughs> I just, can I just say this what to you? And I'm, I mean, no disrespect, but <laughs> <laughs> when we do Quarantine Corner and we say, uh, we're going to help uh, people homeschool their kids <laughs> by telling them what we remember from seventh grade Spanish, right? That would be a different question than what's new with
2: you. Right, but you guys were, I don't know, the thing they wrote in about was somebody wanted to know Dutch or something. It's not Spanish. I don't know. Bonnie,
1: Bonnie. All we asked is what's new in your life, and instead...
2: I know, but every time
1: Hold on a second. Instead, you had a flashback to something we discussed last week about a different language.
0: I know, but every time you, we thought... You know what, Bonnie? <clears throat> what? You, Bonnie Burns, uh, uh, Captain Kringle, you are inches away <laughs> from being a key figure in Trump's coronavirus task force. <laughs>
2: okay. Yes. Every time I thought you, about what to say about what's new... I couldn't get this out of my head, so I thought I'll share this. Then it'll be done. Yeah. Okay. So here's- okay. But okay. you're
0: thinking of this more as like a support group. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, this is such an easy question. An AA meeting for you? Okay. Yeah. Here I have it. Here's what I did this week. I thought about what I learned in seventh grade. In <laughs> oh, that was clever. Oh, <laughs> that was very yeah. clever. Okay. Okay. And here's yeah. what it was. Tiene un I'm a real.
1: <laughs> you will not be fucking deterred, will you?
2: <laughs> wow. Boy, that
0: <laughs> accent. You can, you know, I know you were raised in Seattle, but since you've come to Los Angeles with all the Hispanic culture around you, you have just absorbed the accent.
1: Yeah. yeah I- you know what? And I'm going to wreak a small measure of revenge on you, Bonnie Burns, by not asking you what that means.
2: Oh, come on. You don't know what that means? It's so elementary. Oh, wait, say it's it not again. It's elementary
1: the way you pronounce it.
2: <laughs> say, say it again. Okay. Yeah. Say, say it again. I have a cryptography um, app on my phone. Tiene un la amarillo. I never could throw my R's. Um, do you have something yellow? I, something, what yeah. do you have? I think it's I have a can, yellow. Can, I think it's can you, oh, can, no, can it's, can you tell do, me how to
1: get to amarillo?
2: Do you have a yellow pencil, I think? Or I have a yellow pencil. (laughs) You don't know if it's a question or You don't even know what it it means? Anyway, it's out of my head
0: now. (laughs) So, you know what I think you really need to ask, um, and you need to learn how to say this in Spanish, is, uh, excuse me, senor, am I asking a question or not? (laughs) I say frankly, the UN. In I mean, I'm really hoping that Joe Biden wins um, the election in November. Um, but I see you absolutely as an ambassador or or UN official of some yeah. sort. The way you're able to
1: um, your your ability to stay unfocused. Is, uh, I mean, even with the most specific questions, and uh, you you're just able to stay completely unfocused at all times. Thank you Bonnie Burns. Yeah. Um Tony Anita Hall, I mean, first let me apologize uh, to you because we have less listeners now that Bonnie's cleared out the room a little bit, but um <laughs> <laughs> But for the remaining listeners, why don't you tell us um what's new with you this week?
3: Um I my brother and I You been- know, before you do that, Tony.
0: Before you do that, I I do think we should um we should give some sort of tutorial to the listeners on how to raise your jaw with your hand and close it. <laughs> it's something that we've learned to do over time. Uh, I'm sorry, Tony, go no, ahead.
3: It's okay. <laughs> uh, My brother and I have been doing cruise planning for December. <laughs> You have oh,
1: not. for the love oh, of God! That,
3: that's ridiculous, Tony. and need
1: What we are have, you talking about?
3: We have over
0: the oh, weekend. oh, look everybody, what?
1: it's it's Mrs. Culpepper, our favorite Southern Belle hand why, puppet. Tony?
0: Tony, why not just purchase a tube of COVID nineteen <laughs> and 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 rub it all over yourself? What are you doing? No, you are not going on a cruise with your brother or your uncle, or any relative. That is absurd. Why would your brother... Is he an older brother, Tony?
3: He is my older brother.
0: Well, he doesn't like you. (laughs) What would possess you to consider going on a
1: cruise at this time in our nation's uh, uh, difficulty? Now, now to review for our listeners, Tony, you took a break this winter... (laughs) To go on a cruise with your brother and your um, your your niece, right? That is
3: correct.
1: But your niece is, oh, and but your niece is actually your age. So it's going to be like the three of you getting on a cruise. A couple of things happen. Number one, <laughs> you don't get along with your niece, and your brother bailed. <laughs> that is true. So you ended up taking a miserable, tear stained cruise <laughs> with your niece at the very beginning. Of the COVID nineteen outbreak, so that your your cruise ship was actually delayed for three days. And given all that, you and your brother are now planning your next cruise.
3: It's booked for December. Jeez. December. <laughs> so we uh, did some wow. Planning that is on just that. stunning. <laughs> there you go. That's what I uh, did what, this week.
0: What kind of planning did you do? Like getting a will, and, <laughs> or, or maybe. Uh, Are you bringing along a personal physician? What kind of planning?
3: Well, you know, we want to swim with dolphins. (laughs) You you want to do what? Swim with with dolphins.
0: Huh. By the way, that's every dolphin's dream as well. (laughs) A lot of times when a dolphin turns 50 and its kids come to it and say, well, what would you like to do for your 50th birthday? They'll say swim with some Americans that might have COVID-19. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely that's, what dolphins are into.
0: Yeah.
3: I'm hopeful. Yeah. Well, that's, this that's is shocking. I'm
0: hopeful. I, 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 you're hopeful? <laughs> yeah. hmm Yeah. Have you, wow. do you pay any attention to the science or the, the Fauci? Do you listen to Fauci?
3: <laughs> I, I I do.
0: Yeah. Is he on the cruise? Is it like one of those things where you go on the cruise with a celebrity? It's the Fauci cruise? That would be awesome. Oh,
1: I took a Fauci cruise once. Yeah. It was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. I don't think he would do it, Tony. <laughs> what did I tell you? That I, I think it was a a health journalist from the New York Times, I believe it was, that said, if you were trying to create a deadly virus, you would do it on a cruise ship. <laughs> um Which is my way of saying, bon voyage,
1: have a good time. (laughs) And don't forget, Tony Anita Hall was in the room a couple of months ago when we had, at the beginning of the outbreak, when we had that uh, virus scientist on our show um, who basically said that he was, um, he'd rather risk, you know, a a bullet to the head than getting on a cruise ship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but...
0: Apparently, Tony, when we do a show uh, and we interview a knowledgeable person, Tony does not take notes.
1: <laughs> Adam! All right, yes.
0: Guess what? What? I Paula? know this is going to blow you away with surprise. I have a word for this week. You do? It's, yes, it's inure.
1: I know that one. Yeah.
0: It's inure. It's a verb that means become used to something, especially something unpleasant. Um, I'll hear, I'll use in a sentence, Tony has become inured to cruise ships. Um, Okay. Each week, by the way, Adam, each week I add a word to a vocabulary song that is both educational and uplifting in these difficult times. Yeah. Which- uh, And we all look forward to it. Are you kidding me? They look forward to it like a goddamn cruise. Um, uh, Well, this is what I have. I want to, wait, I just have to get myself- um, all right. This, no. This, what? Wait. <laughs> you no, know, <I> wrote these. <laughs> There it is. That's it. There this it is. This week's word is in you. It's a verb that means become used to something, especially something unpleasant, like not being in school to say Present. Last week's word was pelf. It's a noun that means money, especially when gained dishonestly. There's probably a slice for Hannity. The week before that we had in Super Bowl. It's an adjective that means impossible to overcome. That can make a person mighty glum. Going back before that we had nonplussed. It's an adjective that means surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. Might describe me if Trump said a fact. And not long ago <laughs> we had guitar. It's a noun that means excessive mucus in the throat or nose. You can hear it in every one of my shows. Let's never forget free It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, who's hodgepodge. Podge. Adam thinks my song isn't replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do. Wait a minute! Oh, wonderful, yeah,
1: Woo-hoo! that's just fantastic.
0: Watch, watch, watch.
1: Uh. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah, wow. Matt, I
0: left it all on the Glock. I you,
1: uh, you, sh- you left something on the Glock, that's for sure. Um, you know,
0: I keep meaning to practice, and then time just gets away from me.
1: <laughs> well, it doesn't show in your performances, Paula they're, they're <laughs> no, I don't stu- think it does Stunning, yeah, it's, no, no, no It's Because, it's, you know, what happens is you're a natural performer So, practice or not, when it's time to deliver, you deliver
0: I am, to uh, the glockenspiel, really what Trump is to medical knowledge Just bored into the world with it
1: Yeah, you probably, yeah, you probably should have just done it But, yeah. you know, Whew. even musicians Whew. say they're just amazed
0: Yeah, Adam... We have an auction uh, tonight. Um, It is a pebble that Rosa Parks shook out of her shoe while she was walking instead of taking the bus in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955. And, you know, there seems recently to be some confusion about who Rosa Parks was, so I'm glad I was able to obtain this piece of history. Okay. On December 1st, 1955, Ms. Rosa Parks was on a city bus in Montgomery, Alabama, in the segregated South. She was actually sitting in the colored section, but as often happened, when a white man boarded and couldn't find a seat, the bus driver moved the dividing line and asked Ms. Parks to move. She refused and was arrested. That night, Martin Luther King and others met to plan the Montgomery bus boycott. Now, Adam, recent protesters of the stay-at-home order have occasionally shouted that they are like Rosa Parks. Have you heard that? I know,
1: that amazes me. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. And
0: let me just suffice it to say they are not. Um, The African-American struggle has been a struggle for equal rights, plain and simple. It is not against a public health mandate to save lives. Uh, So uh, this is a really important piece of history that I have here. Uh, After, of course, she was arrested and the boycott took place, Um, She didn't take the bus anymore as something like 96 percent, I believe, of African-Americans stayed off the buses. And uh, so she was walking along one day and a pebble got in her shoe and she emptied it out into her hand. And that is the pebble that I have here. And oh, my gosh, right off the bat. Thank you so much. Lacey Fullerton, uh, nobody. She's a nobody. She has made our kickoff bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks shoe. Thank you, Lacey. She's made an opening bid of three hundred dollars, and that's Adam. That's actually higher than where we usually start. Um, yeah, I'm, Lacey, I'm
1: particularly surprised because this seems like an almost unverifiable artifact. No, it's not. I just told you, Rosa Parks yeah, you, you, uh, was, was almost, walking
0: along. It was yeah, a no, pebble. I, I get
1: that. I get that part. Yeah,
0: it's got. It's kind of reddish because you know they got the red clay down there. Um, But apparently Lacey really understands the value of Rosa Parks' contribution to this world and would like to have this pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe to commemorate that important act. Thank you, Lacey Fullerton. Thank you so much. It's exciting. Um, And I'm I'm so happy that I have an artifact from Rosa Parks. Uh, Oh my gosh, Tim Crump. Nobody, Tim Crump, uh, has just made a bid of $350. Thank you, Tim Uh, Thank you, uh, Tim. He says in the comment section, 96 percent, I was right, 96 percent of African-Americans did stay off the Montgomery buses on the first day of the boycott ignited by the arrest of Rosa Parks for refusing to give up her bus seat to a white person. Well, Wow, $350. That's fantastic, Tim. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, one piece one piece of trivia that I've always loved about the Rosa Parks thing is that that was not her first encounter with that bu- bus driver.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it's true, but it was like ten years before or something like that. That same driver had kicked her off the bus. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, rather oh, than move, she actually got off the bus. And so, so while she was sitting back there on the bus, she was looking forward, going like, "I recognize this guy. <laughs> something oh, about wow. him is really familiar."
0: Well, uh, case in point being that it was this discrimination, this inequality was entrenched, ongoing, long term, and uh, Rosa Parks inspired a a very strong strike against it.
1: Yeah, yes, she uh, did.
0: Thank you, Rosa Parks. Yes, uh,
1: indeed. And um, nobody's, remember, every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, French Trump is holding his weekly press conference. So um just want to remind everybody to be sure to tune in whenever, wherever you get your podcasts or at paulapoundstone.com.
0: That is correct. Thank you, Adam Falbert. I have my own press conference on Fridays, where I inform, <laughs> I inform the press and the American people. I inform the press and the American people. The pebbles? Pippel,
1: Like the one found in Rosa Parks' shoe?
0: No, no, not pebble. Peppel. I didn't, you cannot inform a pebble. Uh Peppel. Peppel? Peppel. Peppel. <laughs>
1: Coming up, George Bernard Shaw said, when a man wants to murder a tiger, he calls it sport. When a tiger wants to murder him, it's called ferocity. We'll explore the intersection of sports and ferocity when Paula and I review Rocky III to tell you if you need to see Tiger King. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone.
0: On this day in unremarkable history, Jesus said, "Do you like these sandals? I think they're kind of kicky."
1: Thank you, house band Matt Butterfield, and welcome back to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone friends. You know Yes, Paula- welcome back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you agree with the welcome back. Um, yeah. You know, Paula, every once in a while, we like to help our listeners figure out if uh, a new movie is worth seeing. Uh, I mean, usually, it's a sequel, and we view the original film. But of course, there's no new movies coming out in the movie theaters right now. Yeah. Um, no. So, tell our listeners exactly why we are reviewing Rocky Three.
0: Well, it seems so obvious to me. Um, a lot of people have watched this Tiger King series. Is that what it's called, yeah. Tiger King? And uh, so Adam and I watched Rocky Three, which features uh, both the phrase and the song "Eye of the Tiger." Uh, right,
1: and that seems like 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 a reasonable way to approach it. I mean, in the first ten days of release, um, over thirty four million people watched Tiger King on Netflix. But um, I, I I do think that can't possibly touch the number of people who uh, seen Rocky Three, and I think it's a it's a good it's a good gauge as to whether you should watch the Tiger King.
0: Oh, it's the perfect, it's the perfect measure. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, fr- frankly, Adam, I don't, I've not understood what Eye of the Tiger even means, other than really? it's a phrase that was in that song.
1: Well, uh, well, it's a phrase that's in the song and a phrase that's in the movie. And, um, you know, why don't I, uh, do you want me to summarize the movie for our listeners? And then we can go on to our discussion, because I do, I do have a theory. And I think it's pretty good about what Eye of the Tiger means. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So here's one of my patented quick summaries of the movie. Rocky 3 begins with the end of Rocky 2, where our hero finally punches champ Apollo Creed into submission and becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. Now that he's made it, Rocky wastes no time getting rich, selling out, and losing his edge. He does endorsements, fights cream puffs and palookas, and buys giant houses and expensive shit, all in a montage that might as well be titled Getting Soft Now. All the time, he's shadowed by up-and-coming obsessive phenom Yeah, Clubber Lang introducing Mm -hmm. Mr. T. (laughs) Kind of fluffy. Mr. T is a brutal, mohawked, hard-punching brute designed for only one purpose, to terrify white America. Clubber finally gets his shot, and he punches Rocky half-dead. At the same time, he pushes Rocky's trainer, Mick, all the way dead. Yes, Burgess Meredith breathes his last breath, leaving Rocky alone as the only unintelligible guy left in the movie. But wait, Apollo Creed shows up to lift Rocky out of his depression and train him L.A. style to help him regain the eye of the tiger. Three sweaty, muscly montages later, Rocky clubs clubber half to death, and order is restored to the Rockyverse.
0: Yeah, that's pretty it, much yeah. what happened.
1: That's the, that's the whole movie, yeah.
0: Getting soft now. It's Get so rough now. now. Oh, my God. You know, um, so, all right, so do you want to tell me your theory? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry to interrupt. I cannot believe this. Wait, we just got an online bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks shoe. Yeah. uh, From, get this, Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, Former Goldman Sachs banker who bought a mortgage lending company in 2009, foreclosed on thousands of borrowers, then resold the homes for a very great profit. Um, Yes, yes, he did. That Steve Mnuchin has just bid $4,301 on the pebble from Rosa Parks shoe. Uh, Steve Mnuchin, by the way, is real estate rich to the tune of $400 million. So, boy, that really kicks up the bidding right now. $4,301 is the going price. And by the way, we close out the auction uh, at the end of the show. Good to know,
1: but, uh, you know, uh, let's keep our values in mind here about what's more important, the Civil Rights Movement or Rocky III.
0: My mistake. Um, Let's just start at the beginning. One of the things I was surprised about was that Adrian, who is now Rocky's wife...
1: Mrs. uh, Balboa.
0: ...was estranged... Uh, when I last saw Rocky, she was estranged from Polly, who was um, abusive to her in every way. And now they seem to have worked things out. It's so the the theme of Rocky Three was a, a lot of healing. The names were were very weird. I thought uh, he fought a guy at one point named Big Yank. Yeah. Big Yank Ball wasn't that the guy's name Big Yank, Big Yank Ball.
1: Balls or something like that yeah and and, and yeah. also he uh he did a charity match where he fights a a professional wrestler named Thunder Lips. now the important yeah, th- interesting Thund- thing, detail about this is that was the film debut and the beginning of superstardom for professional wrestler Hulk Hogan playing uh Thunderlips yeah. so this movie introduced both Hulk Hogan and Mr T basically this movie created the 80s
0: you know, this movie is unforgivable, at least for those two reasons. Um, when they were showing sort of rocky going soft with all the richness and the fame, uh, one of the things they showed was that he was on the Muppets. And yes. you know, that's a that's a clear <laughs> indication of a boxer losing his edge.
1: Yeah, when you he's know, on the Muppet all, Show.
0: Right, fighting a wrestler, but also just being on the Muppets and And you could tell because at one point um, Kermit like pushed him, and he staggered back. And (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah. So so Clubber Lang, who is the um, Mr. T character, has been fighting his way up the hierarchy of of fights, but he can't become the champ unless Rocky agrees to fight him. And so you know, they show all these different fights with Clubber Lang uh, fighting, and then. They were revealing a statue to Rocky in Philadelphia.
1: The unveiling and, uh, of this uh, famous Rocky statue on the steps there.
0: Yeah. And then Clubber Lang showed up at that event and called Rocky out. Uh, and Mick was at the event. The manager was at the event. And by the way, right. Mick has so much in common with my manager, uh, Bonnie Burns. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: because but- because you half the time you have no idea what he's saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, many times in the film, Rocky would say, like, Mick, how you doing? And Mick would begin talk about his seventh grade Spanish knowledge. God, yeah. oh, Rock, I got to tell you here, you, you got to learn to conjugate your verbs. If you're not conjugating your verbs in Spanish, <laughs> this guy will knock you to
1: tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Rock, Rock. Do you have a yellow pencil? That's what I want to know. Do you have a yellow pencil? Rock, I me tell you something. If you don't know how to ask for
1: a yellow pencil, you're not going to have nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that it, it seemed that they made a lot of the movie up on the fly a little bit. Uh, it by the really way, it was
1: lazily scripted.
0: It was written by Sylvester Stallone, but Mick seemed to find out about the bout like, he appeared not to know that Rocky had agreed to fight this guy.
1: Yeah. Well, um, Rocky gets goaded into fighting this guy because Mr. T starts looking at Adrian and going, hey, lady, why don't you come over to my place later? I'll show you what a real man is like.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. And then Rocky yeah.
1: goes from retiring to going like,
0: I'll give you a fight if you want to fight. And then they go to this scene in Mick's room. And Mick apparently lives with uh, Rocky and uh, Adrian. Yes, he they lives go in the this giant in house. scene in Mick's room. Here's what I want to know. Why is Mick's room pink?
1: I couldn't tell either. It was a weird thing. You know, I, I you could have had any room, but like they put Mick in this like pink room with a canopy bed and stuff.
0: Yeah, it was kind of it was not really the Mick we used to know.
1: No, but, but you know what? That's kind of a theme because Mick surprises us in a couple of ways in this movie. Uh, and unsurprisingly, he has something like seven heart attacks before he finally dies and nobody seems to really notice. During one of Rocky's fights, Mick clearly has a heart attack and everybody's like, are you okay, Mick? And he's like, oh yeah, it's nothing. It's just one of those times when your heart stops beating for 15 seconds, you know? <laughs> I just got to walk it off. So in any case, so he's in that room, I guess because Rocky thinks he's a Holly Hobby fan and the other big surprise for me is that Mick, played by Burgess Meredith, after he dies, turns out to be Jewish.
0: That surprised me as well. <laughs> it I, was I really surprising. I mean, I, it never occurred to me to think about the religious beliefs of Mick, the manager of Rocky. I just assumed he had
1: none. Uh, you but- would just think that an actor of British descent playing a guy named Mick was probably an Irishman.
0: Uh, well, by the way, his name was Mickey Goldmill. I, I, I never even knew his last name. It was just Mick. It was Mick. But there was that—you know—there was that scene. I think it was in Rocky 2, where he says, in a kind of a quiet moment with Rocky, he goes, "Rock, you know what I want? A pink bedroom. I want. Can I have strawberry shortcake? Can I have a <laughs> strawberry shortcake doll? I'd like that."
1: That's right. Um, That's right before Rocky goes, Hey, Mick, you want some bacon? And he goes,
0: I don't want no bacon. Don't bring that around here.
1: So there were clues (laughs) everywhere. Uh,
0: (laughs) uh, Yeah, how can we have missed that? You know, know. it wasn't a very realistic uh, movie. No. Um, Mr. T, the uh, (laughs) Clubber Lang character. Clubber Lang. Yeah, sure. um, had uh, you know, he looked like how you remember Mister T looking. He had these big, huge, dangly earrings and the mohawk hairstyle. If it had been a realistic film, Mister T would have caught his earrings on so many things. You know, just like while walking down the aisle of the fight and stuff, they just would have hooked onto a chair. I, and I'm just ripped amazed his that off.
1: of all the ridiculousness in that movie, that was the deal breaker for you.
0: <laughs> uh, now. Okay, doesn't Apollo Creed, when he shows up to coach Rocky on how to... uh,
1: How to get back the eye of the tiger, yeah.
0: Yeah, he says to him, you had that eye of the
1: tiger. Adam, explain to me what that means. Paula, I mean, put simply, it's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, standing up to the challenge of our rivals. Isn't that the lyrics from the song? All right, you, you got me there. That's the lyrics to the song. <laughs> However, what the eye of the tiger is, is that hungry look, that predatorial, hungry look in your eye that says that you will accept nothing other than than beating your prey. Oh. And when you lose that predatorial look in your eye, somebody else can see, oh, he doesn't look like the tiger anymore. I'll punch him in the face repeatedly.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. And yeah. they have this exchange. So So Rocky fights um, clubber Lang and gets right. his clock cleaned. And afterwards, um, Mick dies.
1: Okay. Can I stop? Can I pause you there for a minute? Please. I just want to say when Mick <laughs> dies, basically in Rocky's arms after the fight, having been lied to by Rocky, did you win kid? Oh, oh word, we Mick forgot to
0: tell them that part, Adam, that's important. When yeah. they're in the pink bedroom, uh, Mick tells Rocky why he should not fight Clubber Lang and the reason is that all these fights that he's been doing since the Apollo Creed fight uh, in this, you know, successful montage of how things had been going so well for Rocky, it turns out that none of those guys were really good fighters. That Mick just sort of set him
1: up with fights that he yeah. could win. And that's when he tells Rock, I can't sit you up with this guy. He's a wrecking machine. He'll take you apart, Rock. He'll knock you to tomorrow. I love that.
0: Yeah. I, my favorite Mick line was, he'll kill you to death in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he, 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 you know, if he had lived, he definitely would have been on the coronavirus task force uh, uh, working, with, no doubt. working with Trump with that kind of science. He'll kill you to oh, death.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do want. I do want to add that, like, before that happened, out in the hallway before the fight, Clubber Lang does push Mick.
0: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Clubber Lang's yeah. out of line. He's out yeah, of line the is. whole goddamn time. Yeah, he's he's not satisfied with just wanting to fight Rocky. He keeps like he keeps uh, you know saying things about Rocky's wife, and then he keeps like telling Mick to stay out. You know, you, you know, kill you, dead. You old, yeah, he's he's very aggressive. With everyone, not just in the ring. So anyway, so is, Mick all right, finally so dies. So this this is Rocky. Uh, this is dialogue in Rocky Three. Uh, <laughs> That's that was yeah. dialogue. <laughs> and then and
1: then, and then I want to I want to play us some actual dialogue. This is after Mick finally kicks the bucket. Rocky um, yeah. Rocky's not happy about the fact that Mick dies. Um, and and he expresses himself thusly <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god, guys!
1: Just and the Oscar now, goes to
0: <laughs> you know what? It's hard to make out, but a lot of what he said um really showed the relationship between uh, uh, you know a person and their manager. Like you can hear him at one point say, uh oh he took fifty percent.
1: What <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you can hear yeah. that very clearly. Yeah. And at one yeah. point you can barely make out him out saying, He wasn't just my manager. No. He was my vocal coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> my dialogue coach. And now you go. Uh, yeah. I, I have to say that when I was yeah. watching Rocky Three here in my dwelling by myself, I found it a very
1: moving scene
0: that when Rocky was
1: unhappy. I did too. And, and I watched it with my whole family. Cause I was like, you know, we're watching a movie and me and aunt Paula are going to be reviewing it. Does anybody want to watch Rocky three? My kids had never seen Rocky one or two. I just explained it to him very quickly. Um, my whole family loved that movie. <laughs> 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 they found it completely predictable but like the they were cheering rocky on they were scared of Clubberlang, they 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 loved apollo creed they were sad for mick it was like it was great it absolutely worked on them clubber lang club,
0: club okay it's it's uh, rock top it high hit him up high how do? That's the vocals. That's <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and and you know, iconically, that's not only the first appearance of Mr. T in, in in popular entertainment, but it's the beginning of "I pity the fool." I pity the fool. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. So Apollo Creed uh, steps into the picture after Mick is dead and, and Rocky has been dethroned.
1: Right. Former champion Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, and I think possibly the most interesting character that Stallone ever created. I really love Apollo Creed.
0: So Apollo Creed takes Rocky and Adrian, who, by the way, has mysteriously got now
1: a Princess Leia hairstyle. (laughs) And has decided that she's basically not going to talk anymore.
0: Well, that's probably for the best. Uh, You know, (laughs) they... Oh, and they all go to Los Angeles, you know, they leave Philadelphia, they go to Los Angeles um, to train where Apollo Creed uh, came up, to train in his gym. Yeah. And this is where the film begins trying to do a racial healing thing.
1: And I think it does a a great job. I, you know, I'd I'd put it way up there, but go ahead. I
0: I think it was a bit of a reach uh, for (laughs) for Rocky. Yeah. Uh, so what they do is Polly is an accepting of, of black people. And, uh,
1: yes, he's openly disdainful of the boxing gym that he has walked into.
0: Yeah, exactly. We didn't know this about him before. This is something that just all of a sudden came up. Uh, so they go into this gym and Polly is, is saying, you know, things to uh, just sort of to nobody really about how he doesn't like this. And, uh, and, uh, not anything that we knew about Polly in the past would make him feel superior is really hard to uh, figure out.
1: Uh, I find um, that to be but, startlingly accurate of actual real life racists. A lot of them it's well, really well, hard true. to figure yeah. out you know why in the world they would feel superior to anybody. <laughs> And Paulie uh, yeah, is the no, embodiment of that. He's like this, this this dirty, disgusting, abusive, drunken guy who's like, I don't know about these people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Rocky is now talked <laughs> into training in Los Angeles and, and he has to win because he needs the money to keep Adrian in mascara. And you've yeah, seen She is that. wearing a
1: lot of mascara now.
0: Tremendous amount of mascara. There was one scene where she could barely stand up. Because her face was was that heavy.
1: She was Um, more lashed than woman at one point.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) Apollo Creed keeps trying to train Rocky, and the training isn't going well at all. As if Rocky had never had any skills whatsoever. He can't, you know, he can't be up on his toes. He's not fast. He can't, you know, they keep trying to teach him like he's a dancer. And they're like... You know, oh my gosh, he's a white guy, he can't but dance. You know
1: what, that, that, I actually buy that part because in the first two Rocky movies, one, one thing they firmly established is Rocky's main strength was that you could punch him in the face an infinite number of times and he would keep punching you in the face. And Apollo Creed was this flashy, dancey, kind of like, you know, art of boxing kind of guy. And so uh, so that whole, that whole deal was trying to teach Rocky to use his feet and become kind of a little more twinkle-toe-y.
0: I see. I guess I hadn't recognized that. Um, so now they have to go to that iconic spot off of the Pacific Coast Highway. I don't know what that thing is called. The, the the What is the wooden thing called that goes out into the water? The Santa Monica Pier. No, it wasn't the pier. It's another thing.
1: Okay. The dock.
0: You know, they have to run at this place so they can get that iconic shot. Causeway. No, it's not a causeway. I can't
1: think of a name. I'm just saying words of stuff that sticks out into the ocean. (laughs) Jetty. It's a jetty.
0: So it might be a jetty. So, uh,
1: it's an isthmus.
0: Apollo Creed is explaining why they're, he says, we've, he says, we've got to get some speed. And finally he says to him, we've got to get a shot of you at that, that iconic beach spot. Um, and they run and Rocky is always behind Apollo Creed and he keeps getting his ass kicked in these running things, and Apollo Creed's so frustrated with them. He's like, you know, what do you do about what do you do? You know, what do you do? And finally they go away, and Adrian. Now keep in mind, in Rocky I, Adrian was Polly's sister, lived in this dumpy apartment, worked at a pet store, barely spoke to the degree that there was speculation. That she was
1: um, mentally uh, developmentally
0: delayed. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. you know wore big, thick glasses, and now sure. uh, she's come to Los Angeles and she's a therapist and a life coach. Uh, she talks to Rocky and and, and they do like a, uh, a like an encounter group with just two people. She's yeah. like, "No, Rocky, what is it? What is it? And finally he says, "I'm afraid." I don't want right? to
1: lose anything. <laughs> anymore.
0: I'm scared. You dragged it out of me. All right, Adrian? I'm scared. It was very moving. It was very yeah. – it was that I was really it. good, by the way. Yeah. That was exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> and she she basically says to him that uh he needs to go get his brains beaten out. To- <laughs> <laughs> isn't it supposed to be isn't it the the wife supposed to be <laughs> yes. saying we have everything we need rocky you could just go get a regular job right now or i could go to work and we can keep the house and we can raise our son but she's like she's like what do you mean you're scared get in there get your ass kicked ah uh, yeah it's, oh. a, it's a really beautiful it's a beautiful scene between the two of them, she says to him, nothing is real if you don't believe in who you are, which yeah. we're still trying to unravel.
1: Uh, I mean, the, the uh, riddle of Adrian is that throughout the Rocky movies and I'm and Paula, I've seen all of them is that throughout the Rocky movie, she alternates between screaming at him for wanting to fight again when it's risking his health and suddenly saying out of nowhere, you have to punch this guy a lot or else you're not a man anymore. Yeah. She's I think like the a, worst girlfriend ever, writ large.
0: Yeah. I think there's probably another Rocky that we haven't seen where she does fuck Clubberlang.
1: <laughs> I mean, here, here's a little side note for fans is that in Rocky 2, I guess his health is in danger again and she convinces Rocky not to fight again. And then he decides oh. to fight anyway and she's upset. And then like- yeah. Uh, around the time of the birth of their first son, she goes into a coma. Oh, I didn't know tri- that. And then while Rocky's training, she wakes up from the coma and she says, Rocky, win. <laughs> and then he, goes, <laughs> then he goes and beats up Apollo Creed. So like she's put him on this roller coaster before is my point.
0: I hadn't seen that that one. That would make oh, rock. this one make even less sense if I had <laughs> seen it. Um, yeah, she really, she really goes on a roller coaster. What do you mean yeah, you're she scared? Really does. Get in there! Get in there! Um, all right. So now, after uh, Adrian gives him a talking to uh, at, at the uh, at the beach, uh, he beats Apollo uh, in a race. They run into the water. Uh, they use the buddy system. Apollo's drowning. Rocky pulls him out, breathes life back into him. It's, it's a beautiful scene. Um,
1: extra stuff there, but OK.
0: Right. So now they have, uh, you know, now, right, they've established that, you know, he's fitter than he's ever been. In fact, they kept saying the weights so the the guys that are calling the bout keep talking about the weight. So so Rocky has dropped some pounds. You know, he's fit as a fiddle. Uh and Clubber Lang is on his way in and someone says, What's your prediction? And Clubber Lang says, Pain. I and, love and I that he, moment. And and then I believe it gives him a pity the fool. Uh so now they go into the arena for the big fight, and Polly is a member of the NAACP. He's
1: Oh yeah. Oh, he's hundred <laughs> percent. All on of board. a
0: sudden he's yeah. embracing Apollo Creed and the Maybe guy he that he
1: slept uh, with Clubber Lang
0: you can't really figure out what happened to polly <laughs> yeah. that yeah. made him come face to face with the injustice of the way that he was behaving before there is no explanation for no. that character just sort of you know tags along at the end of a rope off the car somehow that the polly <laughs> character he doesn't yes, he, does. he just sort of bounces along <laughs>
1: All right, anyway, let's get back. So now he's going to fight Mr. T, but now he really means it.
0: Yeah, yeah, before he was just kidding around, waiting around for his manager to die. But now...
1: Now his manager's dead. He's got the Eye of the Tiger back. Here we go. Yeah.
0: Eye of the Tiger. Um, Yeah, so, of course, they get in the ring. You know, it doesn't look good for a while. And then all of a sudden, whoo hoo it just, he comes to life. Yeah. He's punchy, punchy, punchy. And and by the way, the boxing choreographer was Sylvester Stallone, which could be yeah. partly why he, he won. All right, Paula. You know, I have to say, I have only watched maybe a couple of movies um, in the last few months. Yeah. And suffice it to say, Rocky III is not a good movie. No. Um, but I did sort of enjoy the heck out of sitting in a chair and watching a movie (laughs) that I hadn't seen before.
1: No, I hear you. So
0: this is not a reflection on whether it's a good movie or not. It's not a good movie. It's a terrible movie. But there was something kind of joyous about sitting in a chair and watching a movie I haven't seen before um, in the midst of all of the craziness that we're now going through. Oh, my God, speaking of crazy, Adam, we just got a $5,300 a bid from Mike Lindell, uh, the Mike Lindell. My Pillow guy. Mike Lindell, oh, wow. he's the My Pillow guy. He's the guy oh, who wow. says he's he spent two years developing the My Pillow. Which, by the way, I always wondered about that. Two years? What, was he working on it every day? I mean, isn't yeah. it some fluffy stuff in a cloth bag?
1: Yeah, but how, it takes far, time because imagine how many naps you have to take to find out if it's working.
0: Maybe that's the system. I mean, how far yeah. out of the box? Was he like, pine cones didn't work. How about hamsters? (laughs) It's fluffy stuff in a bag. But uh, I guess, thank you, Mike Lindell. $5,300 from Mike Lindell. Uh, Wow. That is a big bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe that arrived in her shoe while she was walking um, during the bus boycott of the the Montgomery, Alabama uh, buses.
1: Yeah. Interesting fact. A lot of people think of Rosa Parks as this woman who just was just an ordinary, apolitical woman who just lost her cool when she was asked to give up her seat. But she was actually a very, very active civil rights uh, person uh, for years before this moment happened.
0: Yeah, she was a member of the NAACP already, as was her husband. Um, And by the way, they left Montgomery because the backlash um, even though it was obviously a highly successful boycott in that the argument went uh, into the courts and the, and the courts ruled that indeed it was unconstitutional to segregate um, the bus seats in that way. Nonetheless, um, uh, the war w- remained very difficult for both she and her husband. She was fired from her job. He was harassed at his job. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were death threats and, of course, the bombing stuff that took place to the other members of their organization afterwards. And so they left and went up to uh, um, Detroit.
1: Yeah, they moved to Detroit, yes. right? They left Montgomery and moved to Detroit. And that brings me to a very important point. So they moved to Detroit, and I have to ask you, Paula Poundstone, given your experience with Rocky Three, should our listeners watch The Tiger King?
0: As I see where those two things are connected. <laughs> uh. No, they should not watch The Tiger King. I would oh, say that? Rocky Three was not good. They should find another movie that they've never seen before and watch that. Because as I said, there was something exciting about watching a film I hadn't seen before. But uh, Rocky III, uh is not a bomb for these days.
1: A bomb, B-A-L-M. Like a tiger bomb. Exactly. I okay. have the tiger bomb. Now I got to say having heard your opinion I want to take your answer but uh cuz I think you're right but I already prepared my answer my answer is um yeah watch the Tiger King because I loved Rocky 3 And loved I didn't love Rocky 3 as a movie <laughs> I loved watching Rocky 3 with my family So my my you point know. is is that bad entertainment <sighs> Can still be very entertaining, and I assume that that is uh, having watched the first two episodes of Tiger King. It, that's what that is. It's 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 bad, but it's entertaining.
0: Well, I still think we could aim a little higher. <laughs> I don't like to think. I I don't like the pandemic to be the Trojan horse for uh for for, for crap. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, our, you know, our society you, does you, not need more Trojan horses.
0: No, uh, hold on, Adam. Hold on. Tim Wait, Crump. What? Tim Crump is back. Nobody. Tim Crump is back with another online bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks's shoe that she shook out of her shoe while walking during the Montgomery bus boycott that she inspired. Uh,
1: okay, so what did he, he bid?
0: He has a he has a bid of six thousand dollars.
1: Whoa. Yeah, that's a Th- lot thank of money so for much. an unverified pebble.
0: It is verified. I receive a lot of my commemorative items from, of course, uh, that company I told you about, um, Don't Ask Acquisitions.
1: <laughs> oh, Don't Ask Acquisitions. Yes, they're very respectable company, despite their very unrespectable name. Mm. All
0: right. Yeah, um, no, I'm certain that it is. And, and who wouldn't want to commemorate Rosa Parks? She really is a beacon for our struggle now not the struggle that the protesters are insisting upon but just yes. just a, a struggle that requires inner strength and a loving heart and you got to be a you got to be a fighter uh not not yeah. against one another but against the virus here
1: right cuz this world will knock you to tomorrow.
0: it'll kill you dead before the first round <laughs> it'll kill you dead
1: Go and ahead, on Dan that, Rock. we'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. The Cat of the Week is Manila from Brooklyn, New York. We are back Thank you House band Matt Butterfield That's some fine Oboe blowing
0: Yeah Absolutely Matt Butterfield Thank you so much This is fantastic Really appreciate it
1: Yeah And, and all you nobodies Thanks so much and Remember Who knows how long This is going to go on But if you want to Step up and Become our house band You just let us know Tony Nita Hall Will hook you up Now it's time Speaking of our listeners To open the listener mailbag Tony Nita Hall oh, Can I ask you to Step into the room I'm here Okay, thank you, Tony. <laughs> so,
0: Tony, metafor- uh, mo- metaphorically, Tony. He meant it metaphorically.
1: I had to mean it metaphorically because she's in a studio apartment, right?
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's been
0: using her blender pencil sharpener. Um, that's another device <laughs> that she's created uh, to use in her kitchen slash office.
1: Absolutely. Hey, Tony, so uh, Welcome. Thank you. Um, now, I understand that you have some listener mail for us. And it's time for our special segment that we call... Hit me up, Matt Butterfield. Mailbag. Mail... Bag. Mailbag. Mail <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Matt switched to the Glock, and I'm okay with that. All right, Tony. Come on. <laughs> hit us up.
3: Um, okay, so... This is from Maureen Pease. Uh, hello, I know that this reference is an old episode, but Adam's main accent is about as good as Warwick's in the Graveyard Shift. Thanks for all the laughs.
1: Wow. Now,
3: wow.
0: I, I don't know that movie. Is it is it a movie? Graveyard I Shift? I don't know. Huh? Has anybody seen it? I think Maureen has made a film called Graveyard Shift, and she's just trying to promote it.
1: It's, it's quite possible. Maureen, congratulations on completing the film. But, Paula, what I suspect is that I am once again in one of those situations where I don't know if I'm being complimented or insulted. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. I, you yeah. know, I don't know if my main accent was good or bad. But it,
0: Okay. It's mainly if, if taken that's... from
1: can't get there from here and Pepperidge Farm remembers.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna assume that Warwick's accent wasn't that good in Graveyard Shift. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then That's- fuck you, Maureen. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> I was just I did, thank you, Maureen. It, it was an old episode, you know. You know, we make them and we throw them aside, Maureen. We can't. We don't. We don't have time to tarry on Adam's bad accent in, wow. in an old episode.
1: Adam's bad accents. Well, it might. Well, it, that is not my strongest accent. So I'm guessing that you might be right, Paula. Let's move on. Tony, and Nina. And by the way, we love you, Maureen. Keep writing in. Tony, and Nina, Hole. What's next?
3: <laughs> Hi, team. At nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. I wanted to start off by saying I love the podcast.
1: Please we love you. Keep-
0: Let me
3: just say right here.
0: Maureen Pease, do you hear what this person
3: said?
1: That's how you start, Maureen. <laughs> Go on, Tony.
3: Please keep doing what you're doing. It's hilarious. I have absolutely nothing bad to say about it at all. Captain Crinkle is a bit much, and by that I mean she is completely crazy. <laughs> I've <yet> to see- <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to see Thomas Coyne in Vermont, but I'm still looking. One thing I'm hearing is that Adam Felber is on every show. Wow, that's impressive. Thanks, Eben Gifford.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> okay, go ahead, Paula. I,
0: I think it might be Eben Gifford, maybe. i um, oh, sorry. You are right. Adam Felber is on every show, and it is impressive, uh, it's not the same as having your star on Hollywood Boulevard, but it's big.
1: It's big. I th- I want to say that Eben has done the impossible here by uniting me with Bonnie Burns. But I'm not think, crazy. Uh, yeah, I think Bonnie and I have common cause here. Is that Eben says he has absolutely nothing bad to say about it all, but <laughs> he said. First, he breaks out that canard that Paula started—that the best thing you can say about me is that I'm on every show. But he also calls Captain Crinkle a bit much and completely crazy. <laughs> oh what the no! I is think that about.
0: I think Evan means that in a very playful way, like okay,
1: because you know. he didn't yeah, say anything you, bad about you. Well, no, but <laughs> yeah. Had yeah. it also read, and Paula needs professional help, how would you then feel about the email?
0: But that's not what they said, Adam. It was like completely no, I know. crazy. He, he, like, he just like, slagged me and Bonnie. No, it's no, it's like completely crazy. Like, oh my gosh, she's a riot. She's just crazy. That kind of crazy. Not like... A bit much? Not like she hears voices and, you know... No, it's not like that. No, I think. Okay, it's, now uh, I, I think...
1: am. I am going to now utter a phrase that I don't think has ever ever been uttered in the English language. Bonnie Burns, what are your feelings about this?
2: I know. I I feel very secure. I know I'm not crazy.
1: <laughs> How about a bit much? Wow.
2: No, I don't think. By I'm the a way, bit that's much. one of the first. I think. I feel good. <laughs> that's one of the first symptoms. <laughs> I feel good. I think All I right. can be annoying at times.
1: <laughs> no. No, (laughs) Paula, back me up. No. I think that's part of my job is to be annoying. No.
0: No. (laughs) No, come on. Not at all.
1: No. Well, you know, it is
0: part of the manager's job uh, to be a little bit annoying sometimes. And and I think that that was demonstrated in Rocky 3 when it (laughs) turns out Mick was having Rocky fight fighters that weren't really... Fighters? Like, Bonnie called me one time and she said... She had gotten me on the late show with Stephen Colbert. And of course I was excited. And then it turned out it was the late afternoon show with Stephen Colbert.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Tony, what else you got? What's on the hot sheet?
3: Okay, this is from uh, James Hyder in Marietta, Georgia. Paula, I've been enjoying your podcast since day one, so I had to write in to let you know that you're mispronouncing one of your vocabulary words. I would have oh! written sooner. I would have written sooner, but expected that some other nobody would have let you know by now that the correct pronunciation of "glimmerfree" puts the emphasis on the third syllable "mau," not the second "lim." As you've been say, saying it, so it's Galamafri. Thought you'd want to know.
0: Ooh. Oh, I didn't
1: know Gallimofri? that. Galamafri. Oh,
3: I Gallimofri. don't like that
0: as much.
1: Galamafri.
0: Galamafri. Galamafri. Wow, that doesn't well, Paul, sound I'm, right. I'm gonna have to check that out, James.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but, well, I mean, I, you know, James, I might, I might prefer you to have said. That I'm completely crazy. I, that could have been yeah. a more pleasant.
1: Galamoffrey.
0: <laughs> I boy, I've this always heard it. This week's
1: word is Galamoffrey.
0: Yeah, well, it's still
1: Galam. Oh, I to I, d- I, I gotta look that up, which I
0: obviously can't
2: do now. I'm looking it up, but uh. <laughs> oh great!
1: Bonnie's <laughs> looking it up. Uh, for those yeah. listeners who don't know. One of the things that makes Bonnie Burns as annoying as she is, is we talk to her on the phone every week as we plan this show, and she she suddenly starts listening with half an ear while she's scrolling through her, her devices to look things up.
0: Yeah. So we'll have a long conversation about, say, for example, how long the podcast should be. Right. And, uh, and then we'll all decide after, say, you know, 20 minutes of talking about it, that it should be an hour. And then Bonnie goes, well, how long do you think the podcast should be? (laughs) And meanwhile, she
1: won't have a convincing answer for the thing that she's been looking up while not listening to us.
0: Right. Exactly. Because she was staring at the band, the monkeys on their (laughs) site.
1: (laughs) She was thinking like, yeah, I'm a believer. So Bonnie, given all that, how do you pronounce the word?
2: Uh, Okay, gala ma free
1: God damn it, Bonnie.
2: Okay, G-a- okay here. G-A... <laughs> Yo, she's right about the third... Um, What do they call
1: it? The
2: third... By she,
1: you mean he, and by he, you mean James Hyder uh, okay, so got- from Marietta? It's
2: James, yeah. She had James- already
0: started Googling before we got to the name.
2: No, here. <laughs> it's G-A-L-U-H-E. M-A-A is the one that's in, you know, dark letters. And then All we we needed was the answer.
1: He was right. Gala-ma-free. 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 No, Bonnie, it's (laughs) (laughs) Gala-ma-free. I am literally Um, telling you how to read the thing that's in front of your face. (laughs) Yeah. um,
0: (laughs) Bonnie? Bunny, (laughs) I think you have... (laughs) Bunny, I think you have the accent on the wrong syllable.
1: Oh, my God. I want to segue. Tony is are there any more pieces of mail?
3: I I, I think we're good. No, do you have any more? (laughs) This is fun.
1: (laughs) Is that it, Tony?
3: I think we're done. Yeah, no, we're cool. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean are you sure tony i feel like i see one more on the list
3: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll, okay we do have one more um <laughs> <guys>.
2: <laughs> Go
3: ahead. hi love the show can you have capital captain crinkle bonnie burns on the show more often every time she <laughs>
1: alright that's all the time we have for mailbag <laughs> no 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 stop Tony right there that's it I I saw that yeah. there was another one on the list but that's it
0: <laughs> I think this was months. written by Bunny Galla Yeah. who
1: Read it to the end so that we can hear what (laughs) Bonnie's pseudonym is.
2: Gallimoffrey. Okay. Did you hear? Yeah! Are you you playing the Gallimoffrey pronunciation? I can't play it for you and that at the same time. You're
0: playing the pronunciation while Tony's (laughs) reading the other uh, uh, mailbag? (laughs)
1: God damn it, Bonnie! Bonnie. You, are interru- <laughs> you, you are literally interrupting. Thank you, Paul. You are literally okay, interrupting an well, email I- about you.
2: I was. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> <The> t- <laughs> okay. Tony
0: just. Tony just said the classic "God damn it, Bonnie," which is actually Bonnie's
1: ringtone.
0: when, when Bonnie's phone goes off, it goes "God damn it, Bonnie."
1: Oh my God. I can't believe it's come to this. Okay. All
0: right, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead, read it.
1: Okay. Read the end of this. We want to know what Bonnie's fake name was at the end of this email.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Hi, love the show. Can you have Captain Crinkle Bonnie on the show more often? Every time she makes a crinkle, she cracks me up. When she read Listener Mail. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Keep going. Just try to try to work through it, Tony.
3: <laughs> this is why I wanted to add mailbag. Um, when she read no. Listener Mail, I had tears in my eyes. So did I. And the iTunes incident is iconic. Yes. Thanks, Jonna Leota.
1: All right. Well, thank I you, Bonnie, for cre- choosing that interesting pseudonym.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize that um, Bonnie also has a, a writing career. Uh, and she writes under the name Gianna Leota
1: <laughs> right
2: <laughs> thank you Gianna <Johnna. laughs>
1: we hear you thank you me Paula get ready with your instrument would you and that ladies and gentlemen is mailbag 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 <laughs> mailbag mailbag <laughs> no 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 okay Mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Fall of Poundstone after this. Couldn't find it. Fun fact, if you drive south from Detroit, you'll actually be in Canada. And if you drive south from Canada these days, you're an idiot. Welcome back. Speaking of hotel soaps, we want to hear from all you nobodies out there. Please email us, even if you're a thinly veiled uh, Bonnie Burns... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pseudonym uh, at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to our mailbag, send us your theme song, or give us a podcast description that might appear on our homepage, just go ahead and send it to us. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com.
0: I think Gianna Leota is banned from, from being on the homepage. <laughs> uh, hey Adam, Adam, we have another online auction bid on the pebble from. Uh, Rosa Parks's shoe. Again, Mike Lindell has shot back. That's the That's My Pillow guy, by the way. His company has an F from the Better Business Bureau because of a deceptive buy one, get one free offer. And Trump is encouraging him to run for governor of Minnesota. He hangs out at Mar-a-Lago, or he did. Um, now he's using his money to bid $6,002 on the pebble from Rosa Parks's shoe. Oh, uh, uh, wow. That, that is, boy, I think this guy just keeps at it. I I, I think he's going to end up.
1: He might, but you know what, yeah. Paula, speak, speaking of pillows, while we try to process yeah. the fact that he might end up with this pebble, do you want to talk about your pillows? Yeah,
0: it's, a little, it's a little depressing. He's, he's a little creepy. What?
1: I was asking if you wanted, although I'm hating the way I'm phrasing this, do you want to talk about your pillows for a minute?
0: I do. You know, um, okay. one of the things that's available at PaulaPoundstone.com Listeners, it's a Poundstone Pussy Pillow. Uh, It's about a three-inch by two-inch rectangle pillow um, stuffed with fresh catnip. Um, It has a cat joke on one side and on the other side. I'm happy to autograph it to your cat. And uh, you can get that through paulapoundstone.com. I believe there's a box where you write the name of it. Of your cat for me to autograph it. Fantastic. By the way, I have one or two cats that actually use it as a pillow, which sort of amuses me. You can also grab a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and the rest of my books and CDs, which uh, I like to tell myself, anyways, helpful balm in a difficult time. Um, yeah, they are. And they're terrific. At and the website is up.
1: Is it really? It is. It is. It is indeed. All right. Now, um, I'm about to go to our our end of the show patter. Um, you can find me on on Paula on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Adam, and always. Adam. Yeah. Adam. Yes.
0: Wait a second. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. We have another. I was so depressed that Mike Lindell was going to get the pebble from uh, Rosa Parks' shoe. We have another online auction bid from right down Kristen at the wire. Kristen Lejeune, who was a house band uh, playing the violin on a show recently. Uh, She's a nobody. Um, I could have sworn Mike Lindell was going to walk away with this. But uh, uh, Kristen Lejeune, uh, our brilliant house band on the violin just a couple of weeks ago. Kristen has made a bid of $7,002 to win the Pebble from Rosa Parks's shoe. Wow. Thank you, Kristen Lejeune. I'm so excited to send you and this. And congratulations,
1: pebble. Kristen. You're our winner.
0: And just to ice the cake here, uh, Kristen, you obviously know the importance of Rosa Parks' contribution, but uh, I did want to read you this one quote from Rosa Parks uh, who okay. once said People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I wasn't tired physically, no. The only tired I was was tired of giving in. Wow. Now I want
1: that pebble. uh, (laughs) Because, like a lot of people, I'm tired of giving in.
0: Kristen Lejeune, house band from just a couple weeks ago, violinist Kristen Lejeune, dedicated nobody. Congratulations. Thank you
1: so much. Whoa. That's our show, everybody. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam DeFelber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, that same Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Matt Butterfield on the oboe. Yay! Mixing by Michael Hoagie, star Starburns production by our buddy Land Romo, And technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Yeah, Bonnie, that's how you roll an R. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me. A premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service.
0: That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me?
1: Kid, you gotta fight this
0: guy smart You gotta use your brains, kid I'll we'll kill you dead we'll kill you dead before the first round <laughs> You won't get up, Rock You won't get up, Rock The other fights were fake These, This one, though, this one's real you, you fought a toddler, Rock Did you really think that was a
1: challenge? What, do you think he was a dwarf? Rock, he was two feet high he was a child, Rock. He was a child.
0: Mick, you lied to me. You lied to me, Mick. You lied to me. Anybody could have seen it, Rock. <laughs> you, you fought Mickey Mouse. You fought a guy to cost your buck. You fought an actual mouse, Rock. <laughs>
1: Starbands, a
0: podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.